0: THE ATTORNEY GENERAL, THE GOVERNOR, THE FORMER PRESIDENT. FROM SOUTH DAKOTA PUBLIC BROADCASTING, IT'S WEDNESDAY, AUGUST 2ND, AND THIS IS IN THE MOMENT. COMING UP THIS HOUR, THE WEEK'S TOP POLITICAL HEADLINES IN THE STATE INTERSECT WITH THE TOP POLITICAL HEADLINES IN THE NATION. TOM Dempster AND JONATHAN ELLIS ARE WITH US. WE'LL TALK ABOUT A VISIT FROM THE FORMER PRESIDENT WHO HAPPENS TO BE FACING FRESH CHARGES. We'll also look at Attorney General Jackley's call for a state legislator to return COVID money. We'll hear about the shifting of services in Sioux Falls to what's known as the Empower Campus. Can you stop watering your lawn now? Eric Helland is with us for a look at dormancy this August, plus software to help you build a better band concert. That's coming later in the hour. We're broadcasting live today from SDPB's Kirby Family Studio in Sioux Falls. I'm Lori Walsh. You're in the moment. An initiative to address the lack of legal resources in rural communities has made progress. But officials say after 10 years, there is still much work to be done. SDPB's Veda Tonneson has more. When Patrick
1: Getzinger was president of the State Bar Association in 2011, he saw a problem. He noticed the Main Street attorney in rural South Dakota was becoming an endangered species.
2: A goal of my term as state bar president was to address the need for uh, access to justice in rural communities and address the um, emptying out of law offices on Main Street, rural America, and um, having no replacements for the country lawyer, the Main Street lawyer.
1: So, Getzinger founded the Rural Attorney Recruitment Program. The project is part of an initiative to stabilize the population of rural lawyers. The program pairs qualifying attorneys at any point in their career with underserved counties for a five-year contract. The attorneys provide legal aid to rural areas. In return, they receive compensation that roughly matches the cost of their law school tuition. Bob Morris is the chair of the Project Rural Practice Task Force. He says South Dakota Supreme Court Chief Justice David Gilbertson was one of the first people to start advocating for the rural lawyer.
2: What he was seeing was a creation of legal deserts uh, in South Dakota, where uh, there were either no lawyers in certain counties, one lawyer in certain counties, or just two lawyers in certain counties. And what he had also identified was uh, 65% of the lawyers in South Dakota were essentially in five communities, uh, Rapid City, Sioux Falls, Pier, Uh, Brookings and Aberdeen.
1: Since so many lawyers gravitate to larger cities, many retiring rural lawyers struggle to find successors for their practice. Looking back on his early days practicing law, Getzinger remembers watching that happen in his rural hometown of Martin, South Dakota. In the end, there was just one lawyer left in town, approaching retirement with no successor in sight. The program's goal is for the recruited lawyers to continue working in their assigned community and then take over for retiring attorneys. Practicing law in small towns doesn't appeal to everyone. Morris says many aspiring lawyers wonder how to find professional success in an isolated area.
2: And the first question is, well, if I'm a rural lawyer, will people think I'm not a very good lawyer, that I ended up here because I wasn't good enough for an urban law firm? Will people, will I be able to make a living? Um, uh, are there going to be issues regarding isolation?
1: However, Morris points to Stephanie Poke, a rural lawyer in Gregory, South Dakota. She won the 2023 Trial Lawyer of the Year Award and was the third lawyer in her rural firm to do so. Morris says it's proof attorneys can thrive in the country. Amy Jansen is a graduate of the Rural Attorney Recruitment Program. She still works in her assigned rural area of Kennebec, South Dakota. She says just because small towns lack lawyers doesn't mean they lack opportunities.
0: They just need you. They need city attorneys. They
3: need state's attorneys. They need defense attorneys. They need all of that, and there's just nobody local or, you know, there's attorneys that are driving hours away. So if you want to, if you want to put the time in and put the work in, you can
4: make it here.
1: So far, the recruitment program has placed 31 attorneys into rural areas. 15 have graduated from their contract and 12 of those graduates have stayed on to practice rural law. Another program now aims to improve legal resources in rural areas. The State Bar of South Dakota is offering a rural intern program to further strengthen legal services. It supports rural firms that hire law students as interns. The goal is that these interns will be good matches with the law firms and go on to participate in the recruitment program after graduation. Getzinger says this concept has a national component now thanks to the Legal Services Corporation, or LSC.
2: The LSC um, was so interested in this concept and this topic that they formed a national rural justice task force to uh, take a look at uh, access to justice issues in rural America and to appoint a nationwide task force to um, talk about the, the causes, the symptoms and the solutions to address rural justice issues, uh, access to justice issues in rural America.
1: Many lawyers point out that access to legal services is not a privilege, it's a right. And that means it's critical to ensure Main Street legal practices don't go extinct. I'm
0: SDPB's Veda Thomason. You're listening to In the Moment on South Dakota Public Broadcasting. I'm Lori Walsh. Well, nestled between East 10th Street and East 8th Street in Sioux Falls is the Empower Campus, and that campus houses a variety of services for the Sioux Falls region. One of the tenants is moving programs around a bit on the campus at the end of the month. Stacy Jones is CEO of the Boys and Girls Clubs of the Sioux Empire. And she is with me in the Kirby Family Studio with an update. Stacy, so nice to see you. It Welcome It is back. always nice to see you. Thank you for having me. You are just doing good work in the world. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us a little bit about Boys and Girls Clubs, uh, first of all, so people can ground themselves in that conversation. Then we'll talk about how things are
3: shifting or moving. Yeah, we got a lot of exciting things happening. So the Boys and Girls Clubs has been in this community for 65, 66 years. So it's a longstanding mm-hmm. a part of this community. It's a nonprofit, and we serve youth um our, our goal is really to nurture and enrich and educate young lives. And we serve young people all the way from four weeks up to age 18. So we oh. have a variety of different programs that we offer them, everything from early learning um, in our child care settings to summer care and after school care for those K-5 kiddos. And then what we'll talk about a little bit more today is our middle school and high school program. And we serve those kids as well in the community. We serve about 1,200 kids a day on average. Wow. So we are a, a significant part of our community. Uh, we serve Sioux Falls, Harrisburg, and Brandon. So when we say we're of the Sioux Empire, we, we really are of the Sioux Empire, serving a lot of different communities in the area.
0: What kind of needs are there? What are some of the biggest needs for kids? Oh.
3: Well, honestly, just care and support. Mm-hmm. Um, we do a lot. It depends on the age, right? It depends on the age. Right. So in the early learning, you know, we have a creative curriculum and do a lot of educating with, with them. You know, it's not just babysitting. It's not just daycare. It's it's childcare and it's it's education at that age, getting those young people prepared and, and to enter, um, you know, kindergarten, Really, really getting them ready for that next step. Um, And the same thing we see, you know, um, there's a lot of support and, and downtime even needed for those kids. And, you know, after school, when they're in school, and then when you get into that middle school, high school age, there's a lot of things that um, they need from a workforce development perspective, uh, life skills, um, just having a place that they can belong and be comfortable. Um, You know, there's a lot that happens with young people when you get into middle school and high school, a lot that's going on in their world. And giving them a, a great place where they can, you know, glean a lot of those skills, but also feel like this is a, this is a great place for me, a safe place for me where I feel like I belong is, is really what we offer them. We've noticed a lot of, um, you know, behavioral and mental health challenges that a lot of our kids are facing, um, especially post COVID. And that, you know, that starts pretty young. It doesn't, you know, just start in grade school. It, it starts younger than that. So we've implemented a lot of different things to support those needs as well.
0: And help people understand the empower campus because mm-hmm. it has become a gathering place for different facilities. I'm wondering what kind of interaction and serendipitous connections happen at a place where services are sometimes grouped together.
3: Yeah, it's a it's a fabulous campus, and it was a great vision that that came together. You know, Rich McCorris brought a lot of that together, and um, the Boys and Girls Clubs. So that's one of our locations. So we have ten, but that's one of our of our ten. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, our largest. We're one of the largest tenants. on on that campus but it really is a gathering place of a lot of different nonprofits there's a lot of us at that campus and you know we have the services we provide there's others there that provide other services and we find ourselves referring people to those services from time to time and we also get together you know we have um, a lunch on campus so you kind of get to know your neighbors so you know what they do um, that's really grown um, next door you know the there's been a lot of growth and opportunity there with the 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 facility the former Children's Inn, that new facility is there as well. The Furniture Mission will be moving in next door. So Mm -hmm. that whole area is really becoming a great resource for our community.
0: All right. So what is changing with the, the, the programs that you have now? In regards to that location. Yes.
3: Extremely exciting. Um, there's a lot that's happening in the Sioux Falls community as far as after school care. So there are four different nonprofits that are partnering with the Sioux Falls School District to provide after school care at the elementary school. So they there, it's called the Community Learning Center model. There's a whole host of different um, opportunities that we'll hear more about over time that happen with you know middle school and high school as well. But related to the elementary school, four of us nonprofits are going to be taking the kids that we've already been serving, a lot of us on our own locations and for us at our Empower campus, and we're going to be providing that same care at the elementary school. So those kids right now walk out the door, get on one of our vans, we drive them over to our Empower campus and we provide care for them after school and their families come pick them up after school in that K-5 program. We'll be doing that on site coming this fall, which means we have a lot of space at the Empower campus where we can serve more kids in a different way. So Currently, we have a lot of space on our lower level there. So what we are going to be doing here in a couple, three weeks is we're going to be relocating our teen program. We call it our teen program, but we serve as young as 11 in that program. And we're going to relocate it over to the Empower Campus and expand it. We're, we're going to be able to about double in size and the facility size.
0: Yeah. What sort of services will be available for... 11 and up
3: then. Yeah, it's it's a great program. It's been operating very, very successfully. We've been very grateful to have a partnership with the YMCA downtown to utilize some of their space for um, some of the programming we, we've been able to provide. Again, it's kind of our middle school and high school program starts at about, we take some 11-year-olds because sixth graders do have some 11-year-olds. And um, currently, we pick up at the school, the middle schools, and we bring them to our location. We'll still do that same thing. So we'll pick them up, bring them to our location, and then they will receive a variety of different programming. We've got um, a lot of different programming that we offer them. We also offer mentorship and tutoring, um, some life skills. We've got a great culinary program where Mm -hmm. we're teaching some kids how to, you know, how to cook a lot better than I do, Lori, (laughs) you know, they are very talented young people, but um, they're doing a lot of community involvement there as well. These young people are getting out and volunteering for other nonprofits. So feeding South Dakota and the banquet and really being involved in our community. We feed them and we give them a ride home. Um, and it's, it's a fantastic program that, you know, um, has really expanded and grown. And so we're able to, to scale this to a whole new level with a little bit more dedicated space for them at the Empower campus that we didn't have before. Yeah.
0: Tell me a little bit about the opportunities for taking kids mm-hmm. and teaching them a skill and then saying before long, you could be helping other people. This continuum of we help ourselves, we help each other meet your friends here after yeah. school, but then by the way, there are other needs in our community. Yeah. That's just really rich, I think.
3: Yeah, it has been fantastic. And I was just talking with our team director before I came over here and he, you know, he was telling me about one of the young people. He's, he's a high school student mm-hmm. and has been in our program and is just flourishing. We just hired him. Like, so he's, yeah. you know, he, it, so we're able to bring him into one of our other programs and bring him on board. Uh, another young lady, she's got uh, a real knack for art, And wants to expand that. And we're able to help connect her um, with some of those resources and really help um, her hone some of those skills, even beyond what she's getting at school, right? And connect her with some community partners, Boys and Girls Club of America, and anybody we can do to help her flourish. But what these kids are learning is a lot how they can connect with their community. So this young lady who's the art, you know, interested in art she's actually very interested in doing something for the homeless in the community as well. And she's got a tough life. And for her to think of someone else is a lot about um, her as an individual. And and we're grateful that we can help her too.
0: So Stacey, how many times have I had a conversation on this show? I'm thinking, you don't know because you probably don't (laughs) listen to everything, but uh, about keeping our best and brightest Mm -hmm. engaged in the communities Mm -hmm. that they're from, whether that's a rural South Dakota community or one of our cities. And usually that's a conversation about college And, you know, uh, they go elsewhere for college or they graduate from college and Mm -hmm. they go elsewhere to be a teacher, Mm -hmm. uh, to be a lawyer, Mm -hmm. what have you. But here is a conversation about keeping our best and brightest and defining that in a way that says they're right here. And It might not necessarily be a college conversation. It can be a high school conversation and it can be about somebody who already has some difficulties turning around and saying this is what I want to do you know right now and i want to do it here yeah. in this community they're
3: making an impact i mean yeah. we've been participating in the community table talks where we bring our young right. people and their voices are heard and um, from we've heard from a lot of different participants how much they appreciate hearing from the young people, and and my gosh, it is amazing watching these young people use their voices, right, speak yeah. up of what they need for the community, what they see, and how they feel they can impact the community. It's it's been a really remarkable experience for them.
0: So, what kind of volunteers and community support do you need for Boys and Girls yeah. Club? Well, obviously, like any
3: nonprofit, you know, yeah. funding is is always something that we look for. I think as we continue to expand this at our Empower campus. We're really looking for some unique things that we can do there. And once we get moved in and we're really letting the kids kind of help shape the space too, I shouldn't call them kids because they're middle right. school and high schoolers, the young right. people. Um, we're going to really let them help shape that space. And I think there'll be some really unique opportunities for us to partner with different people in the community to kind of help us shape that space. Um, we've been working for oh um, about a year now with Vanguard Hospitality, for example, uh, and they come in and teach that culinary class, and we're going to partner with them to come help us say, okay, we're going to expand that culinary program. What do we need? What can we? Um, You know, we've we've been able to secure some grant funding to be able to go out and purchase some different things to help expand that culinary program. So we partner with them to come in as a resource and say, okay, you could really use this, 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 and this is going to help us expand that programming. So we'll be doing that in a lot of different areas, whether it's culinary or in the tech space. Um, we're looking at a lot of different things we can do for workforce development. That's really becoming a key thing at a much, much younger age and everything from virtual reality goggles to different experiences and different instructors that we can bring in to work with these kids, young people, and to really help them, you know, see the possibilities because I'm sure you can remember being young. Mm -hmm. You didn't know necessarily what was out there. Um, you know, what opportunities might fit you well and just kind of giving them some of those opportunities to experience things.
0: All right, open house in mid September. We'll put some links up on our website uh, for folks. Stacy Jones is CEO of the Boys and Girls Clubs of the Sioux Empire. Thank you so much for stopping by. We appreciate it. Nice to see you.
3: Absolutely nice to see you as well. And thanks for having me. And we really, you know, we invite the community to come out when we get that that event set up in September. It'll be great to see this new space.
0: All right, Mm -hmm. Dakota political junkies are up next on listener supported SDPB Radio. You are listening to In the Moment on South Dakota Public Broadcasting. I'm Lori Walsh. Well, let's talk about the new face on a NASCAR car, stock car, the charges against a former president and accusations of misused funds here at home. Our Dakota political junkies are with us for a roundup of the state political headlines, which happen as so often happens lately. Intersect with national headlines. Tom Dempster is with us. He is a former state lawmaker. Senator Dempster, welcome. Thanks for being here.
5: Delighted to be here.
0: And Jonathan Ellis with the Dakota Scout, one of the co-founders there. Welcome as well.
5: Happy to be here.
0: All right. Let's talk. I think the most uh, uh, the n- most newsy, timely conversation is the President uh, Donald Trump indictment. Former President Trump has been indicted, but yet he's supposed to come here. For an event in September, so Jonathan Ellis, I'm going to kind of kick this off with you, the Republican Party here in South Dakota, and the relationship with the former president as it continues to invo- evolve.
4: Yeah,
5: I mean, he uh, is scheduled to come to this fundraiser in September uh, for the for the party. Uh, I suspect that uh, he will raise a lot of money uh, for the party because he remains, you know, fairly popular. And, and as Senator Dempster and I were talking before the show. Each time it seems like he gets indicted, he um, his popularity among Republican voters increases. Kind of interesting. So, um, I, I, you know, I, unless the guy is in jail, uh, which obviously doesn't happen after an indictment in, in this of this type, but I mean, I, we would expect to see him in about a month.
0: Another invi- indictment, a more serious indictment, increases his popularity in South Dakota. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Amongst I, his his followers, not amongst I, everybody, but.
5: Yeah, I'm looking at uh, just this, the national polling that mm-hmm. has taken place over the last several months um, since the beginning of the year. And each time something like this happens, his poll numbers increase. Again, these we're looking at national poll numbers, and these aren't state-by-state state necess- necessarily. But, yeah, I mean, uh, he just keeps getting more popular every time he gets in trouble.
0: Tom Dempster, what uh, insight do you have about that regarding the <laughs> state Republican Party?
6: Well, I don't know if I have any insight at all, but take, uh, don't take a look at Donald Trump as Donald Trump. Take a look at Donald Trump as a caricature. And every time you get indicted or every time something that, or something like this happens, I breathe deeply and I get stronger and I have even, a look, at all, look what all of these people are doing to me and I'm going to work on your behalf. And sometime, I think that balloon uh, will, uh, will explode, but in the meantime, just get the caricature, get bigger and bigger, more blown and more blown, particularly against some Republicans.
5: I, yeah, I mean, I, add to that, I, I think that you know, what Tom's saying is correct in that, you know, he portrays himself as this, this fighter against the system, a corrupt system that, I mean, a lot of Republicans think is corrupt, right? And so he they they view him as sort of this vessel of to combat what they think is a corrupt department of justice, a corrupt the swamp, and so that's probably explains why for a lot of republicans he becomes more popular.
0: What's the impact of this long term?
6: <laughs> uh, the impact of another Trump tre- uh, presidency long term? No, long-term? the the
0: impact of, you know, the indictment, the the fundraising that comes naturally from the indictment, the attachment of the Republican Party in the state to this time in history because it will pass at some point and Donald Trump won't be central to people, unless, you know, like Reagan, I, I suppose he's always gonna be looming large in, in narratives and speeches. But long term, what, how long does this last? What's the tale?
6: Well, Reagan looms, uh, Reagan looms large uh, for very good and very fundamental reasons. But the stronger that the stronger that Trump grows in the Republican Party, means the longer that the 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 longer that the Republican Party will no longer be able to to attract the voters that they need in order to run presidencies and uh, in other races. I think this ultimately this becomes very dangerous for the Republican Party.
0: So Jonathan, who stays away? Then, So certain Republicans are going to come, and there'll probably be a decent crowd in September if the former president does arrive. But other people will stay away from the party, and if so, where do they go?
5: You're talking about like, not going to the actual fundraising event or yes. or moving away from the Republican Party? Both. Uh, yeah i mean i think that there's a strong desire among a lot of republicans that even if they want to go see him and pay money to go see him that the, to to find a different nominee in south dakota i've i've said this before I, if 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 south dakota's nominating process were earlier in the cycle i don't think donald trump would have won the primary in in uh, to become the 2016 nominee um, I just think there. I, I was at an event in November that uh, you know at, at the law enforcement dinner, and Carl Rove was speaking about a generational change, and a lot of Republicans stood up and clapped. They want somebody new, um, but that I don't think that necessarily deters people who want are interested in going to see the showman uh, deliver a speech uh, at the fundraiser.
0: Is it dangerous to say that you don't like Trump in the state Republican Party right now? If people are standing up and clapping, clearly. <laughs> You are seen amongst your other Republicans. Are there risks to saying no, not this guy? I mean, certainly John Thune and Mike Rounds have said no, not this, you know, not this man for president again.
6: I would argue that most Republicans in South Dakota, or many Republicans in, in South Dakota, um, are, if they haven't already, um, are simply saying enough is enough. Is enough.
5: To, yeah, to, to add on to that, a morning con- consult poll poll that came out, uh, I believe, yesterday or the last couple of days showed that you know, John Thune and Mike Rounds are among the most popular senators in the country All with right. their voters.
0: Yeah, well, there we go. Okay, so let's talk about a popular governor, um, Governor Christy Nome, uh, press mm-hmm. conference down at Falls Park not too long ago where they unveil a NASCAR. Uh, stock car. Am I saying that right? NASCAR stock car. That sounds. I weird. had trouble writing that. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't roll are, off the are, tongue well.
6: Are you quoting Jonathan Ellis? I, I said race car, but you NASCAR said race NASCAR, car. NASCAR race car, and yeah. I'm like, eh, yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, it's a stock card and it has your picture on it, and it's a uh, Freedom Works here. So let's talk about what her goals are right now for getting people to move to the state to handle. The opportunities and challenges of a low unemployment rate, is this the way to do it, Tom? Not well, just the car, but the Freedom Works Here campaign more broadly. Uh, the
6: Freedom Works Here campaign and everything else uh, since the COVID days. Uh, our governor has certainly been uh, on the chase uh, for uh, celebrity. Uh, she, certainly, uh, she certainly won that chase for a celebrity. It's very difficult to go to any place in the country where somebody doesn't walk up to you and say, I love your governor or I know your governor. And so despite uh, raising eyebrows or despite maybe even eye rolls.
0: Are you wh- wearing a T-shirt that says "Christy Noam" on it? Like people just <laughs> approach you in random <laughs> cities and say, I love your governor? No, no <laughs> when you talk
6: to somebody and, and they say, well, I'm from South Dakota, oh, I love your governor. Oh, I love oh, your I governor. Love your okay. Governor. And, um, but uh, you must admit, despite uh, eye rolls sometimes, despite uh, raising of eye- eyebrows sometimes, in this ever pursuit of national celebrity, um, it appears to be effective in terms of bringing people so, to South Dakota and attracting workers that, that South Dakota needs.
0: Yeah, so, Jonathan, what have you? What have your thoughts been about the Freedom Works Here campaign? As in its entirety,
5: yeah. In its entirety, I've heard some some pretty positive reviews of it, that it's clever, that it's creative, that it's done a nice debt. You know, and of course, and, and I want to clarify, I don't know that the stock card had her face on it. I think it did for the press conference, but I don't think the one actually running in the race does. I might that you know...
0: I heard that too, and I tried to verify that this morning, and I couldn't find you information couldn't, about whether it was or wasn't. So I'm going to say I'm not sure whether the actual okay. car has your face on it. You
5: couldn't find it because it was it was in last place, which <laughs> I kind of make which I kind of make fun oh, of. Oh, stop in, laughing! I kind of make fun stop of that smiling. in my uh, in 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 this in the newspaper that's going to press today. But um, <laughs> the uh, Dakota aside, Scout,
0: in case you didn't know,
5: yeah. Uh, aside from the NASCAR issue, I've mm-hmm. I've heard some pretty positive reviews about the campaign in general. And and let's just say South Dakota's has had some interesting marketing campaigns in the past. Uh, this one's been fairly positive. Now, of course, it features her in a lot of these ads. Um, she's got the star power, I guess, uh, after COVID. Um, and of course, there are some people who don't like the fact that she's, you know, I mean, you hear some criticisms of that, that, you know, she's trying to take center stage and all of this stuff. I mean, but those are from the same, you know, the usual quarters you hear criticism of Christy Nome. By and large, I think that I've heard more positive feedback on this campaign for its creativity.
0: I'm going to ask a question that I just know is going to go over like a lead balloon. But is this partially because she's a female governor? That people are going to accuse her of being ambitious, of wanting to have her face out there, of wearing the wrong clothes, of having the wrong hair. I mean, we hear a lot of these things. And I'm getting the blank stares from the men at the microphones. But I have to ask, when people say she wants celebrity... Is it that she wants celebrity, or is it because we notice a female governor standing up and saying, "Look at me" more than we maybe would a Bill Janklow?
6: <laughs> that's a great question. And those comments that I hear about being female, about being attractive, about maybe wearing a, wearing a prom dress to the to the State of the State, um, I never. That's
0: just not nice.
6: <laughs> I never hear those comments from <laughs> prom- men. I never hear those comments from men. They're always from women.
5: I'll I'll piggyback on that. I the, the well, derog- I know the, the, what you're going to say the,
0: about this because you said this to me before. You think it's the women who are mean to Christie and uh, not the yeah, men. Yeah,
5: yeah. I I, I hear the, the majority of the comments about that are, come from derogatory comments come from other women, that's just that's just a fact. I mean, and she's and she has throughout throughout her career, throughout her career, uh, even when she was running for Congress the first time in 2010, I was privy to the internal polling numbers. And she has always lagged with women, always throughout her entire political career.
0: All right. What does she have to do then if we stipulate that that's if we stipulate to that, what does she have to do to win female voters, Tom? (laughs) (laughs)
6: <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I have I have I have Oh this is fun Oh no this is <laughs> this great is not. Uh Lori Lori in politics I learned a long time ago that you don't have to answer every question that you're asked.
0: <laughs> Jonathan, if you were advising her on those polling numbers, what would you say she has to do to bring in female voters? Well
5: I, I you know she's trying to I'm gonna I, help
0: you out. She's... Food tax?
5: Well, food tax was something, but you know, I you, you saw some ads. You saw some ads where she's had her mother, and she's tried to, and you know, and try to uh, ads in which she's conveyed herself as being, a you know, strong mother. I think a lot of women, you know, uh, like that. Um, I, I mean, I think she's tried, and uh, it just hasn't always. Been. And, and, and you know, part of you know, here's an issue too. I mean, there are more women tend to be Democratic voters, right? And so
0: I don't know if that's true in South Dakota. Is that I true? I mean, I'm asking. I don't have those would, numbers in front of me. But I would say I would say a
5: higher a higher proportion that's would right. be, yeah. I'm not saying women women outnumber men in South Dakota as Democratic voters, but if you look at it proportionally,
0: you know. All right. Well, we're slinging stereotypes left and right here. Let's go to <laughs> Jessica <laughs> Castleberry and see if we can get another one. She's not a Democrat. She is not a Democrat, but she is in a little bit of trouble because there was some COVID money that came to her daycare, and now Attorney General Marty Jackley says it's time to uh, return that money. She shouldn't have used it. As a former state senator, Tom, uh, <laughs> The intersection between her role as a lawmaker and how did she go awry of this?
6: Serious question. How much time do we have left?
0: Um, Four minutes. Four minutes.
6: Ooh. Um, Picture two daycare centers in Rapid City. Picture them adjacent to one another. Picture them exactly the same size, exactly the same kind of revenue. One is owned by somebody else. The other is owned a state senator. Is owned by a state senator. This daycare on one side gets six hundred thousand dollars in COVID money. This other daycare gets six hundred thousand dollars in COVID money. But oops, is owned by a state senator. This th- this is a conversation about in- increased scrutiny. Fair enough. Increased jeopardy if you're foolish enough to run for public office. And all of a sudden, <laughs> something that's going to cost you. as of your desire to serve the public interest. This makes it much more difficult for somebody to run for public office, makes it much more difficult for someone to be attractive for the legislature, particularly when this individual gets thrown under the bus by the very person that appointed this, this legislator Uh, without any sense of saying, oh, I'm so sorry, whether this was the state of South Dakota's fault, whether this is, I mean, who's to say, we will find these things out in the future for sure.
0: Right. This is not done. Cassavaria said she was advised by her lawyer that she had done nothing wrong. So she's standing up and saying this, no, this isn't.
6: Exactly right. But thrown under the bus.
0: What do you want to add? Just you know, there was She a wasn't. Su- she didn't run for office. She was appointed. And then she by ran. No. But and then she ran. And then she ran. Right. And now she's saying, I read in the Dakota Scout this morning that uh, she didn't respond. I think it's a Joe Sneevy or Austin Goss piece, but she didn't respond just, to comments. But people are saying she's not going to run again.
5: That's yeah. That's the of course not speculation there. But speculation. Just yeah. to just you know, I mean, there's a Supreme Court advisory opinion that was fairly explicit that lawmakers couldn't take the money. There's a provision in the Constitution that has been interpreted very broadly. Uh, by the Supreme Court saying that lawmakers can't take money. And, um, you know, I, I just I, – I quickly, I went back. Uh, when Chris Lean was running against Stephanie Hurst of Sandlin, I can't remember if it was 06 or oh eight, but one of the questions I asked him was how come you didn't start out as running as a state lawmaker? And he said, well, my family, highway construction family, has contracts. I, I can't. The, state, the, the Constitution prohibits me from running, he told me. And so that, that, that has been interpreted extremely broadly by the Supreme Court.
0: All right. We are going to leave it there. Tom Dempster, Jonathan Ellis, good sports all, and wise political analysts. Go to dakotascout.com.com.com Dot com. Dot com for uh, Jonathan Ellis' work and more. Thank you so much for being here. We appreciate your time. Thank you, Lori. Good Thanks. to see you. Let's take a moment now to consider food, tradition, and family legacy. It's one thing to eat meat, but it is another thing altogether to know exactly where your meat comes from and to participate in its harvest. On July 21st, a group of students and teachers from Proctor Academy in Andover, New Hampshire took part in a buffalo harvest in the Rosebud Indian Reservation. They learned about the process firsthand. Today we hear from one of those students, Yomni Whitehat. He's born and raised in the reservation, and not only attends the school in New Hampshire, but he has a special family legacy there as well.
7: My name is Yomni Whitehat. I'm 17 years old, and I've lived on the Rosebud Indian Reservation my whole life. Today I'm at my family's Sundance, the Hollow Horn Bear Sundance, in West St. Francis, South Dakota. And this morning, we actually just harvested a buffalo. We had a school group, a service trip with Proctor Academy. It is a private high school, a boarding high school in Andover, New Hampshire. There was about 15 students and teachers all together. And I mean, this was, uh, for a lot of them, their first ever harvest. I'm sure a lot of them first time seeing a animal killed right there. And so for them, it was a big moment, I'd say, and I I hope they enjoyed it. I hope they learned a lot. In the 80s, my grandpa, Albert Whitehat, was asked to come out to the school and start a Native American program there. Through that, we've built this family relationship. I've had a couple aunts go to school there. My dad, um, my older cousin Mark, and my older sister before me. And so it's really just through this family legacy and relationship we've built with the school. Next year will be my third year there and my final year there. I love it. The opportunities are amazing compared to the schools here because I've been to the schools on the res and I mean, they just have such a lack of opportunity and education. We had a good group. I mean, well over 30, I would say. And we love having When there's a lot of people here, you know, sometimes there's not too many people that come early, so we have to take it to the locker and have them process it for us. And in doing that, it's not so cultural. We don't get a lot of the body parts that most people see as scrap, but they have value to us and our people. One thing we like to keep is the stomach lining, tripe, most known, but we call it tenira, the tongue we like to keep the hide so just stuff like that and for us to be able to go out and be with the buffalo for multiple hours and wait for that that one to present itself to us for us to take um it's just so deep and for us to process it and to be able to use all of it as best as we can all this meat will be used at our sundance and it's going to feed i mean hundreds of people It's just that value of it and really appreciating all parts of the animal.
0: Stay connected with SDPB for our original series, Tatanka, A Way of Life. The first installment premieres in October on SDPB TV. We'll bring you more conversations and information about community gatherings regarding Tatanka. We'll talk about The American Buffalo by Ken Burns and much more throughout the summer and fall. Eric Helland is up next on listener-supported SDPB Radio. listening to In the Moment on South Dakota Public Broadcasting. I'm Lori Walsh. Well, if you have a green thumb, use it now to turn up your radio because Eric Helland is with me in the Kirby <laughs> Family Studio for another gardening and growing conversation. Hey, Good Eric. intro. Good uh, intro. Yeah, I didn't Thank write you. that. Yeah. Yeah, shout out to the producers. <laughs> Nicely done. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What's, so what's happening out there now? What, what are people coming in to Landscape Garden Centers and saying, I need help with this?
4: So, um, visiting with my neighbors, they were, you know, everybody's looking at their lawn and they're like going, geez, I'm putting a lot of water on it and a ton of water on it mm-hmm. and it's just not doing much. And it's, and that's true. There's a lot of lawns that are, I mean, either they're lush green or they're completely opposite not out of right. kind of in between. So you're just seeing it's the, call it the dog days of summer. It's the end of summer, um. But
0: why do people keep telling me it's the end of summer? Because school August starts in two second. weeks. I okay, know. that's it. Right. I think we've got that. a lot of heat left though for yes, your plants. Yes, exactly. It's not the end of summer for your plants, and we're
4: super dry.
0: Might be for your kids. Yes, All right.
4: and it's super dry out, and that's why a lot of lawns are just suffering, because all this subsoil moisture is yeah. pretty much gone. So you're trying to water everything from the top down, and it barely gets down there, and then it's so hot during the day that it uses up, uses up everything. So then uh, grass and turf and plants in general just start to kind of go into this mode where, well, I'm just going to start shutting down and just sustaining and not really growing. Okay. So that's what people are going to be seeing a lot when there's a lot of drought, but now... If you go over West River, West River is completely. I mean, they're getting think rain today, and they're Still lush green. green. Yeah. yeah, just <laughs> lush green. green. Um, so it just mm. all depends, um, which is great for out there because it just when it when they get a lot of rain out there, it's just absolutely it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, we definitely need some around here, but I you know the main thing to do is save your trees, save your shrubs, save your perennials by just putting some water on them and trickling the water. Um, and you're just gonna see it just, the ground's just gonna suck it up so fast.
0: Do you ever bring anything inside like you do in the winter or like during a hailstorm for heat? Do you no. ever bring like no, a container? don't do that. Don't, That'll okay. actually be worse for it because it's, then they get all it's cold. Yeah. Well, they're okay. acclimated.
4: So yeah. all plants are acclimated. And then the other thing is you'll bring stuff in and that stresses them out. Okay. Keep things, a lot of times you're better off just leaving everything as is. Yes, if you are gonna get a hail, if, you know, for sure hail, then you wanna do something, but cover it up, yeah. yeah. But other than that, it's just, um, you know, keep on. Uh, annuals probably look their best right now in the pots and the containers. Yeah. So keep on fertilizing them. And, and then mine
0: are looking lovely still. Yeah. yeah. And except then, except for the ones I forgot to water.
4: Yeah. They're they, going to come back. They
0: let me know. I don't know. We'll see today when I get home. Yeah. The morning I was like, oops, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I forgot sick. you. I forgot you. Let's um, try. Really try now.
4: Right. So a lot of those. Um, the annuals and stuff, then start looking at maybe there's one of those plants, those annuals that you're thinking, geez, I'd really like that, to bring that inside for the fall. Well, then, you know, then that's sure. where you start looking at and trying to figure out it's like that hibiscus that's been blooming. Bring I that need, in. I
0: need my hibiscus. I don't have any. My last hibiscus plants did not make it. Yeah. Um, so I need more because now I drove by somebody's house and they were all out. And we all know yep. that's the tur- tortoise food. Yeah, that is tortoise uh, food. That's tortoise food for August. So if you have right. hibiscus flowers...
4: I'll we'll see what I can let do. I think ours are starting to bloom right now. Yeah, when
0: they drop off, just save yeah. them for me. Okay,
4: <laughs> they might be a little bit mushy by that time. I need
0: to get—I need to get my own plant. Is what I need to do and yeah. make that and make that happen. Yep. When do you let the lawn just go dormant?
4: Um, if you just cannot handle um, watering and you're not seeing any progress, go ahead and just let her shut down, shut itself down. Hopefully, we do get some showers. Um, the other thing is just don't mow. Stop mowing because right, that yeah. really cuts. Uh, you'll start to see footprints. You'll see your tracks from the mowers, the riding lawnmowers, push mowers, and all of that stuff. And you'll be able to even see that when you're walking on it, the grass is gray. It shows your footprints, and that's a good sign of it not having enough water okay. is when you're you're starting to see f- um, the footprints because the grass doesn't bounce back. It just kind of lays flat. And then it starts to break down at the uh, right at the surface, right at the, where it goes into the ground, and then that damages the grass, too. And sure. So it's kind of a... A vicious circle, but yeah, lots and lots of water. It's just that's what it's taking right now.
0: All right, Eric, green. with Landscape Garden Center, you can find all the gardening and growing videos on our website at sdpb.org. Thank you for stopping you by, bet. as always. Thank you. South Dakota Mines Music Center, a team of computer science and engineering majors have partnered with a musician to create something new. ScoreScore Score is a database and networking platform created to solve a problem interfering with performances across the country. Where can music teachers and professors go to find that perfect? sheet music. Dr. Haley Armstrong is an associate professor and music center program coordinator at South Dakota Mines, and she is with us now in SDPB's Black Hill Surgical Hospital studio in Rapid City for an update. Dr. Armstrong, welcome. Thanks for being here. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about this harmonious relationship. (laughs)
8: Well, it's kind of incredible, because out at School of Mines, we're science engineering majors, but we have this huge music program, and I was working with some of my student musicians who are computer science majors, and kind of complaining about how there's not a great way for music educators and even professional conductors to find that perfect piece of music, and to kind of rate it for each other, and also to tell each other about some of the good and bads of each kind of a piece. And these students looked at me and they said, well, you know, that's what computer science and computer engineering can do. And I just, you know, <laughs> it was amazing, um, this problem I've had for so many years. And it's just so neat because that partnership grew out of the fact that they're all still musicians and involved in music, and that's the community that they love and it's something that's available for them and then all of a sudden they said well we have to do a senior capstone and this sounds great yeah and these students i had three students um chami and christian and Hawken, and they just took this project and took it so much further than i could have dreamed as a musician who has none of that background
0: to really build like the right product at the yeah. right moment yeah so is it an app is it a website like how will it interact with users in the future? Right now it's a website,
8: but it's right. the plan is that it will be both. We're going to do, I think, one more year. Um, we're hoping to get another student senior group to kind of work on it because a lot of students became very interested in this. And so we're hoping to do like one more educational year. And then by this time, end of the year, if we can make it go live, we hope to. But really, it's just as a musician, you have taught so many pieces And your ensembles are changing so quickly. And so to have some reference and some sort of database for what you've done in the past, and also what's worked for other people, I just, I can imagine it's just gonna cut down so much on finding subpar pieces and pieces of low quality but also just communicating with each other like, this is a great piece, but you need really good trumpets. And then you're like, oh, I don't have that. I'll pick something else.
0: (laughs) Thank you, Internet. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And it has to be for those younger players, too. It has to be something that they enjoy and they're tired of playing. I mean, there are some pieces that they, my daughter went through band and orchestra, and there's some pieces that they're never tired of, right? But then some of them, they're like, oh my God, it's the Sibelius again. And they just, if you go to a camp, you're gonna hear that mm-hmm. 85,000 times. Um, you want something new too. You're gonna be the cool yeah. band director, the cool music <laughs> director.
8: Well, and I feel so I have a three and a half year old and I think teaching music is a lot just kind of like being a parent, like they need to eat their vegetables, but also those cookies (laughs) are fantastic. And so, you know, but you want it to be like the best high quality cookie Mm -hmm. you can to keep them excited and interested. And so you're right to be able to have those conversations about hey this is new and also for us you know finding diverse and local composers that you might yeah. not find on a big publishing platform yeah. and so all of a sudden your friend you know just down the street has this great idea but you've never connected about it and then you can let the whole world know about it instead so i,
0: I just hope it opens up a lot of those conversations yeah oh hi this is written by the heg brothers in south dakota composers and it's going to be perfect for your program talk about the networking um aspect of this the connections between Mm -hmm. the searchers or the users
8: well absolutely we have some great you know social media platforms that band directors or music teachers talk through each other Mm
0: -hmm.
7: but
8: it can be really lonely because especially at a lot of our school small schools you might be the only musician at that school teaching music and so as big as your network can get the more connections you're going to have. And so instead of this being very broad teaching, you know talking about everything that can go wrong in music teaching, this will talk specifically about the music and what we love about it. And it'll also bring in some you know professional you know military bands and professional conductors and their perspectives on yeah. things as well um, and c- college students. And so it really, I think will both broaden people's networks but also target the conversation to make it so you can really talk about
0: this one aspect of music education when there's so many things that we have to deal with. I think one of my favorite things about this story, and we got to wrap up here at the end of the hour, but is this idea that these you know computer science people, sometimes you think music is something you have to move away from unless you're going to be a professional musician, but it can be part of a uh, lifelong passion, and it can also be... Mm-hmm. A business because you can be a musician and a computer science (laughs) (laughs) professional or an engineer or what have you as well. And that's kind of one of the great things about that program at Mines. So thank you. And that's
8: why we're so lucky because our, you know, they do support the arts at Mines and it, you know, it makes the students smarter and stronger. We always say that music education, but I think we don't forget that the science also makes the music better. There's patterns Mm and there's math there and so they're extremely talented
0: and still love the art of music. And yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing place to work. I love that. Haley Armstrong, Associate Professor and Music Center Program Coordinator at South Dakota Mines. Professor Armstrong, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And thank you so much for listening. That is our show for today. We hope that it served you from all of us at South Dakota Public Broadcasting. I'm Lori Walsh. Jackie Hendry steps in for me tomorrow to host, and we all thank you for listening.